It does feel good to clap after that one, doesn't it? And let's do something else. Let's pray as well. Bow your heads with me and pray. Father, we are grateful for the freedoms that you give us in our life. Father, we do pray as we celebrate this July 4th weekend, as we come before you to worship you this morning, that we really would have grateful hearts. Lord, we know you are the one we worship and give thanks to. And so, Lord, thank you for this country. Thank you for our freedoms. Help us never take them for granted. Father, help us use them to glorify you, to do good, to do right, to have mercy and to love justice, all because you give us life and life abundant and life eternal. And Father, for that freedom in Christ, we are eternally grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. It is good to be with you this morning. Has everyone had a great July 4th weekend? It is great. A little clap. It's great to be with you guys. I feel at home. I'm used to working with youth, and so there's a whole lot of empty rows in the front, and then it packs out a little bit more in the back, so not unlike uh, high school kids, so thanks for making me feel welcome. (laughs) I do want to share some thoughts as we speak this morning about what true freedom is. We're going to look at that John 8 passage, but I want to just share a few uh, thoughts before we get there, oftentimes when we go to the scripture, I think it's a healthy thing to kind of uh, get our mind on kind of the angle we're going. And for me, it's also fun just to catch up with some of you. Uh, I've been friends, I have many friends here at Christ Church for the last 15, 16 years, and it's good to be with you. But I introduce myself to some of you as well who I haven't met before. And on this July 4th weekend, as we celebrate our independence and celebrate the gift that God gave us, uh, it, it means something special to me. I come from a military family. My father, who's gone on to be with the Lord, was in the Air Force during the Korean conflict. Uh, I've got my oldest brother was a colonel in the U.S. Air Force and flew U-2s for about 25 years. Uh, my second brother was enlisted man in the Air Force. My little brother was in the Coast Guard, and I spent some time in the Marine Corps PLC. I now have four sons of whom I'm very proud, a 23-year-old Andrew who's married and uh, now working downtown in American Eagle. Uh, My third son, Mark, just graduated from high school, will be going to Brown University in August, and my baby, Trevor, is going to be a senior at Mount Lebanon High School. But my number two son, Jonathan, so far has been the one who kind of followed in Grandpa's footsteps. He's Air Force ROTC, and uh, he's got a pilot slot, so he'll be going to pilot school in about a year. And so on this weekend when we celebrate uh, not just our freedom, but remember those who've gone on before who gave us our freedom in this country, I hope we're all thankful. Yes, amen? Amen. And and for me, it means a lot, as I said, just for where God has taken me. And now as I looked at my dad, as I looked at uh, my career, my brothers, and I looked down at my son and go, man, just really proud of him. But the truth is, with four sons, you have very many moments when you're proud of them. You also have some other moments during those teenage years where you're not sure you want to claim them as your own, yes? You, raise your hand if you have either had a teenager live in your home or currently have one, yes? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm going to share some things and you're going to say, amen, yes, preach it, okay? Some of you, if you have your kids who are younger, you're going to sit there and deny this, go, no, my kids will never be like that. I go, trust me. <laughs> For those of you who think your kids are never going to go through that, it's just natural. That's what adolescence does. And so it's been fun watching my kids grow up. And I said, as hard as it is sometimes, we always come back to being proud of who they are. But it's something just recently, we had a great opportunity, my four sons and I, my wife, Cindy, uh, kind of sat on the sidelines for this one, but gladly leaned into this. About a year and a half ago, I don't know if any of you guys watch any TV, but my uh, son Mark had come back from football practice, and he was always getting home later. We saved dinner for him. I'd get ice bags out for his knees and his shoulders and get him food, and we turn on the TV at about 7.15, and uh, typically what we turn to is Family Feud. Anyone ever see the show Family Feud? 
We're watching it this one time uh, late in October, uh, I think of 2011, and on the bottom is a runner that says, for our viewers in Western PA, if you're interested in being on the family feud, call this number. Well, as soon as I saw that, I started standing up. And my son looked at me and said, you're not going to do this for real, are you? I said, hey, it's an experience. Look, I said, well, I'm not assuming we're ever going to get on, but if you, if you can go down and for free, go try out. As that's an experience. As someone in ministry, I'm always looking for cheap things to do that are fun and different with my sons. So I call up and we get a time to go down downtown to, to try out for the family feud. And we decide it's my son and uh, my four sons and I, the five of us are going to go. That's where I said my wife, very, I think very smartly, said, oh, no, you guys go. You enjoy. It's a guy thing. Well, we go down to the Hilton downtown. They ran through about 10,000 people that weekend. And as we went through this thing, we're just laughing and having fun. We've got no vision of ever making the show. In fact, we all had to go up front and against another team, kind of do a, a tryout and answer some questions. We didn't get an answer right. Okay? We were funny. We enjoyed each other. It was just kind of, I, I trust it was the Holy Spirit what we tried to live in our life and our families. We had fun. We enjoyed breathing. We enjoyed being with one another. But the interesting thing was, before we went up, they said, we don't care if you get an answer right. We just want you to have fun, enjoy, want to do all those things. I said, that we can do. Well, the long and short of it is, last July, we go down to Atlanta to be on the family feud, my four sons and I. Just so you know, it re-airs this July 10th, so uh, if you're interested, you can watch it. Uh, but, but, but here's the thing, we went down there, and I won't go into all the details, because that would be longer than the sermon. It was just silly, frivolous fun with my four sons and myself, to be able to live life and laugh. But in the middle of the show, I realized, I knew this going in, that sometimes the questions can get a little risque. And I think because I had four sons, they leaned into having some silly boy questions, and they're asking these questions, I'm just trying to keep a, you know, a smile and go, good answer. And I'm going, oh, please don't ask me to answer that. It's just, that's just ridiculous. So we, we taped for about an hour and a half, 22 minutes got on TV, it debuted in May, but well, I'm up there with my four sons, and they ask uh, one question that's just silly, and my son JT, who's going to be a pilot, gives a really silly answer, and, and I'm just laughing at all that, and at one point, uh, he asked my third son, Mark, who was at the end of the row, uh, something about having a lot of girlfriends. He said, no, I don't have any. Uh, he's a man of few words, and so JT says, oh, uh, to Steve Harvey, we can't really say that our mom's in the audience. Steve Harvey says, is Mama Buddha here? And, and, and everyone in the audience starts looking, and my wife is sitting there, and she's turning red, and she's got a beautiful smile. She waves. That ends up being on TV. They panther. I said, you're the only person I know. I've never, I don't watch the show regularly, but I said, how'd you get on the air? You got more air time than I did. And she's looking like the matron of the family. She looked, she's a beautiful woman. She's smiling and waving. And so JT gives a dumb answer. Next question, my baby gets a really kind of rude question. And I'm sitting there going, he's 16 years old. What's he going to say? Well, let me tell you something. I think he gave the number one answer, uh, but it was a little uncomfortable. It was one of those. And so I didn't realize this while we we're taping, but as uh, they, he gives the answer, Steve Harvey points to JT, who gave a kind of a little off-color answer, and then look, looks at Trevor, and then looks back in the audience and says, where's Mama Buddha? He goes, oh, these two right here got to make you real proud <laughs> after those two answers. I didn't realize that, again, we're watching the debut. We had a debut party down in Mount Lebanon with about 150 of our friends. Cindy got on TV once, like this. They pan to her again after Trevor's a little bit off-color answer, and my poor wife looks like this. She literally, she, she goes, and she makes this face like, how could my 16-year-old son on national TV just say that? 
And I'm telling you, everyone in the crowd at our place where we're having this party, they laughed harder at my wife's face than they did anything we did in the whole show. And I felt like we had to respond to that. So at the party, I said, hey, I'm proud of my sons, but I am more proud of my wife, who kind of held it together on national TV when she was embarrassed by that. And I share that to say this, as we come on this July 4th weekend to celebrate our independence, to celebrate our freedom, to talk about what God's freedom is for us, I share this about our country. Man, sometimes it's like our children, is it not? At its core, man, I love my kids. But there are times, <laughs> not so sure. Is that not true about our country as well? Man, I hope we come here and we really have a love and appreciation for country. Even if at times we're kind of not so sure and it kind of embarrasses us a little bit. True? I hope also that we give thanks to God for our country. But know this as we look into the scripture this morning, gang. We are not here to worship America, are we? We're here to worship the Lord God Almighty. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can clap for that. We clapped enough for July 4th. And I hope what it does is give us an appreciation to the Lord for what he's done for us and the country he's given us. That's the way I view all the holidays. As a believer in Jesus, boy, as we look at our freedom and are thankful for it, it gives me more reason to thank God. But we have even greater reason to thank God than for the freedom we have in this country. You understand that the greatest gift God has given us is freedom in Christ. And so I hope even as we celebrate this July 4th weekend with family, with fireworks, with parties, with all those things, again, I hope that's just a catalyst. I hope that's just a, a launch pad for us to fall to our knees and say, God, thank you for you and for the freedom that you give. I don't know about you, but do any of you ever have a problem day-to-day, moment-by-moment, focusing your thoughts on God and, and worshiping him? I would assume so. I think that's the condition of man, even those who are saved by Christ, that we still kind of bang our knees and, and fall over and trip over ourselves and trying to really focus on Jesus. And so the hope is that as we think about the characteristics of God and the gifts that God has bestowed on us, that those would be things that would drive us to our knees in awe and in praise and in worship of the God who created us. And I think one of those gifts that drives me to my knees more than anything is the freedom I have. Not the freedom in this country, but the freedom of my soul because I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. And as we look at John chapter 8, I want to focus on a few, four points real quickly. First one is this. What is it that gives us our freedom? Two, what are we freed from? Three, maybe more important, what are we freed to? And fourth, what is our response, okay? What is it that gives our freedom? What are we freed from? What are we freed to? And what should be our response? I hope that as I share this, and many of you already know the answer to these questions, but again, I hope you leave saying uh, to yourself, Lord, thank you. As we go through the scripture again and hear about our freedoms, thank you for what you've done for us. But do you understand that what we're thankful for and what is freed us isn't a set of principles? It's not a document. Again, with four sons and being in the military, I've taught my kids about what it means to be appreciative of our country. To look at the Declaration of Independence and read it, the Constitution and read it. To think on it at least a little bit, to be appreciative of it. But not just the document itself, but the principles for which it stands, right? That those unalienable rights, that all men are created equal and are given unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Man, those are, that's an awesome document representing great principles. But you understand, as followers of Christ, that's not what gives us freedom. What gives us freedom 
isn't a thing. It's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. As you come here this morning, folks, are you focused on dogma? You focused on principles? You focused on theology? Anything wrong with those three things? Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. But what's the greatest gift that we have? It's the giver of those things. It's a person in Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, or it might be in the service sheet, look at John chapter 8 with me as we go through there. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus is in the midst of a group of some friendly, some unfriendly Jews who he's been speaking with. He's been getting pressure already. The folks are coming to him and arguing with him. And he, he's made some bold statements about who he is, God incarnate, God with flesh on. And, and the, the folks have been stirred up. And yet because the truth transcends all things, some people by the Holy Spirit's gift, I believe, we're starting to lean into him and starting to believe. And so in John 8, verse 31, it says, To the Jews who had believed. Who is he talking to right now? Jewish people who the scripture itself says have now believed on Jesus. They must be very nascent in their walk with him because he's just been kind of doing his ministry recently. But he's got people who in their hearts are saying, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's he's the one. They're trying to put some flesh to the bones of that truth. But it says right there in the first part that they believed him. Jesus said this to them, if you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. For so many of us, we get lost in looking for truth in those principles, in the dogma, in those. And Jesus says, no, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the truth, friends? Pilate asked that question, didn't he, even before he crucified Jesus? What is truth? Jesus very clearly in John 14, 6, as he's telling the disciples about him having to go to the cross and go back to heaven, tells them, hey, you're going to come with me. Doubting Thomas steps in and goes, Lord, how how can we know where you're going? We don't don't know the way. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know that, folks? Yes or no? Do you believe it? Here's the question. Do you live it? See, because I think so many of us who sit in the church pews know it up here, and we can communicate it here. But the question for me is, how does that transform me here in my heart and my soul? How do I live that? Do I live saying, man, I just want to live in a relationship with Jesus? Or am I still saying, hey, I just want to do the right things. I want to look good on the outside. I want the world to think I'm a nice person. Let me tell you something. You get to cart before the horse oftentimes if we want to live a religious lifestyle. Jesus says, live in relationship with me. And from that will flow what? A life that's transformed and changed. That's not a distinction without difference. And yet so often in the church today, we focus on doing the things instead of being with Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whether it's working with high school kids over in this country, or in the last six years, I've taken five trips to China. And especially as I go work with the university students in China, just the conversations that we have. We've got to be real careful that we can't kind of initiate, but we can throw enough uh, incendiary thoughts out there that sometimes people will respond and kids will ask questions. The Chinese students who know that we're from America assume that we're a Christian country and that everyone there is a Christian. Let me tell you, the conversation that takes place, never, I have never had a conversation with a Chinese university student that focused on the person of Jesus the way they initiated it. What do you think they always want to talk about? 
They, they, they want to talk about the principles. I've got people saying, you're against homosexuality. Uh, they want to know about marriage. They want to know about money. Again, things that are important to talk about. Please hear me say that. Everyone looking at me right there, they're important to talk about. But, but it's so frustrating that for me, I want to say, those things, are we not able to speak about them cogently and in an appropriate way unless you first know those, the man who gave those principles? Is this resonating with anyone? Yes, we got, we're here. That, that the idea that it's all about Jesus being the truth, it's about a person. The, we have freedom because Jesus came. Because he walked this earth, he lived a sinless life, he died a death he didn't deserve, but we did so that we who, could decide, who deserved death could have life abundant, life eternal. Amen? It's all a person. Don't ever lose fact as we celebrate our freedom that is a person, the God-man Jesus Christ. Well, here's the other equation. Well, Jesus came, so part two, what did he need to free us from? You know, we live in a day and age, that's a good answer, right? You hit it. <laughs> I'm getting old, I couldn't hear everything, but I heard someone say that. See, when, when I talk to people now, the church seems to have fallen into this, that Jesus is a solution for the things that bug us. You ever hear anyone talk like that? Have you ever spoken like that? Someone's got a problem, well, go to Jesus, he's going to fix that problem. Is that true? Jesus has the power to fix all things. All things are possible for he or she who believes. But the bigger problem isn't that I don't have a job, my kid's on drugs, I've got this issue that I'm addicted, all those things. You know what the issue is? Someone said it. It's that we are sinners. And not only are we sinners, we are slaves to sin. Those are strong words, are they not? I think even when we use the word slavery, there's something almost innately offensive in that word based on our history as a country. But I think most of us cringe even when we hear the word slave. Jesus didn't hesitate to use that word when he walked on this earth. And let me tell you, it was, slavery was innately disgusting then as well as it is today. And so when Jesus uses that term, he's, not, he's unabashedly telling the truth. He is the truth, right? We just said that. But he says, I came to free you from your sin and the slavery to sin. So verse 31, to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Who did I say Jesus was speaking to right then? The, the Jews who had what? Who had believed. And so I find this really appropriate for us. We're sitting here, hopefully, as people say we believe. And it's amazing how people who say they're believing in Jesus, when he tells them the truth about themselves, there's this huge pushback. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? We've never been slaves to anyone. First of all, I think if you're Jew, do you know the, the history of the Israelites? <laughs> but it's amazing how quickly we want to get defensive and push back. Don't say that about me. I think the issue here is as much about slavery, but when, when Jesus says, man, you're a slave, when you're attached to your sin, there's something we don't want to hear about that. Gang, hear this today. We were born into this world in iniquity, and we choose sin daily. We are sinners by birth, both birth and choice. That's me. That's you. That's mankind. The truth tells us that. Jesus, that's who we are. We're sinners. God says, love me with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. We can't pull that off. Folks, I'm not here to drive us down talking about us as sinners, but the point is, as I said earlier, what makes me worship God? It's a realization of who I am and what I've been freed from. 
It's not a cheap grace. God didn't come say, man, I'm your buddy, I love you. Does he love us? Is he our buddy? Yes, but he's more than that. He's our savior. He's our rescuer. He's the one that broke in into the chamber of sin that we were a slave to and said, you're free. And yet why do we not want to talk about that? Why do we want to push back from that? I've talked about sin before in church, and inevitably if someone says, Pastor, why do you want to bring us down to talk about sin? I'm, this should bring you up. Because I'm not a slave to that anymore. I don't know about your theology or where you think, but I often hear this phrase that we are, we're just, we're just uh, sinners trying to follow after Jesus. I don't think that's theologically correct. I am no longer a sinner chasing after Jesus. You know what I am? I'm a saint saved by grace who still struggles with sin. You understand that's you too if you've given your life to Christ? Don't be afraid to look, at the, look in the mirror and know from whence we came. Gang, that's the gift that drives me to my knees and says, thank you, Jesus. We've been freed from slavery to sin. Without Jesus freeing us, we were powerless not to sin. We had no ability to walk away from that. I've had friends over the years tell me they weren't going to, especially young kids, we're not going to do this anymore. Oh, please. I had one kid on, his, on, his, uh, on uh, New Year's Eve was doing his resolutions. 18-year-old kid who knew how to cuss better than I could ever cuss. And in the midst of his resolution, he says, I'm not going to cuss this year. And then he swears. I said, my man, that was like less than half a second you broke it. It's who we are. Birth and by choice. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. He frees us from the bondage and the chains of sin. Not only does he free us from sin, but gang, he also frees us to something. Jesus is the one who frees us. He frees us from our sin. But then what's he free us to? Now, oftentimes, I think we talk about our salvation experience as if we've been conquered by Christ. We're now his trophy, and he mounts us up in the game room with our heads above his mantle. Yeah, do, do, do you not think we talk like that often as evangelical believers? Well, I'm saved. Well, yeah, Jesus didn't just save you from something, though. He saved you to something. And the great gift he gives us, it says, you know what? Now you're free before you could not not sin. As slaves to sin, that was your only option. Now Jesus gives us a freedom to walk with him in righteousness. And in fact, the scripture is very clear where Jesus says, let me tell you something. You are always going to be a slave to something. Human nature says that. You're giving yourself to something. Before, the only option you had was sin because that's what you were born into and that's what you choose. But he says, now you can be a slave to righteousness. A slave to doing the right things. A slave to living for Jesus. He says, hey, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, doesn't he? But he says, you're mine. We're not saved by our works, but we're saved to and for good works. I mentioned my wife, Cindy. We've been married 27 years this past May. I think we're going to, at some point, we're going to talk about Harold and Doris Strange. We've been married 57 years, so I feel 27. I'm an amateur. Uh, but one day we walked down the aisle of our church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I said, I do. When the pastor said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and saving yourself always for her, will you? I said, I will, I do. And on that day, my life changed. I made a decision prior to that, but when I went in front of the church, in front of the witnesses, in front of God as our witness, I said, I now choose to live for Cindy. No longer for me. And so the way I acted was different. 
For some reason, ever since I got married to Cindy, I haven't dated anyone else. I don't know if that's your experience, but haven't had any dates other than Cindy. I didn't get married, then give her a big hug, say, hey, I'll catch you in a year or two, and then went on with my life, right? We got in the car, went on a honeymoon. I was a young man. That was the best part of my, in my mind. I just want to be with my wife. You see, not cheating on Cindy, not dating other people, spending time with her, speaking with her. I didn't do that because those were my rules. I did that because I chose to give myself willingly to my wife. Jesus says, I freed you from sin. I freed you now to live for me. I don't do it to earn Jesus' love. I don't do it so that I win. I don't do it for heaven. I don't do it so I love. I do it for the love of my Savior. I couldn't do that before, locked in the chains of slavery to sin. But the chains fell off. My heart's been freed. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. The words from Amazing Love, the old hymn. Jesus calls us to chase after him, to love him, to do righteousness, to love mercy, to do justice. And I willingly say, God, I give all I am to doing that for you because what you've done for me. And let me finish with that last point. We're saved by a person, Jesus, the God-man. We're saved from our sin. We're saved to live righteously, to do some damage in this bad world on behalf of our Savior. And now we do it with a heart of worship. Gang, as you leave here this morning, we're going to share communion in a few minutes, right, Pastor Jamie? We're going to do communion? We're going to commemorate, remember, Jesus' body broken and his blood shed on our behalf. Why? Because we were locked down, man. We were on lockdown. We are in solitary confinement. We are in the deepest dungeon, separated from God, separated from, separated from life. And Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. The door's open. The gift of life abundant and life eternal is yours. Dear Jesus, thank you. We're free now to worship him in spirit and truth. Is that the desire of your heart this morning? I trust it is. And on those days where you're having trouble getting traction and following in Jesus, like Paul, remember, Christ Jesus came into the world to save a sinner of whom I am the worst. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Let's move forward, freed from sin, freed to live for him. And let me pray for us, and then I think Pastor Jamie's going to come up, and we're going to share communion together. Lord, we are so grateful that we don't just follow rules, but we get to walk in relationship with you through this life. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life and raising it up again so that we could have freedom from our sin. Thank you that you don't only call us from sin, but you call us to life abundant and life eternal. Lord, may that give us hearts that desire to worship you day in and day out, moment by moment. And Father, now as we come to your table together, we pray our hearts would be inclined to worship, praise, and give you the glory and thanks you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen.